This is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. We hope you're in the right place. My name is Michael Kuehl. And I'm Roger Bell West. And this month, uh, spring, and spring, and spring, an old man's fancy turns to thinking about old game systems that, um, and game systems that are still current for, for that matter. Universal systems. Uh, up to a point. Yeah. Some, some of whom whose universities didn't spread terribly far. And we're also talking about all the mistakes that we have made over the years. Oh, that's going to be a long segment. Let us start. Fast, furious, fun, with exclamation marks, is the tagline of the Savage Worlds system, which seems to have been a bit of a sleeper, at least in the in the groups I deal with. It's a universal system with a focus on cinematic play. It's got an awful lot of worlds and things published for it, both by the uh, main publisher and by various third parties. So what's it all about? It's a game that starts out intended to pulp. Yeah. Well. It started from Deadlands. Let, let's look at the publication history. Um, is that, is that, I, thought, I thought Deadlands was adapted to it. Rather no. Than, well, right, uh, right, the right. original Deadlands system uh, is 96, second edition 99, and Savage Worlds came out in 2003. Okay. It's it's been hacked about a bit, but it is still essentially the Deadlands uh, second edition system okay. with with changes. We should point out Deadlands is, is Wild West plus magic and weird tech and all sorts of strangeness. Yeah, um, everything uh, and a still existing uh, confederacy and the undead wi- roaming the wild west and just about everything you can think of thrown in. Pardon yeah. Me. So th- there are things in the game uh, as it exists now which which are still very much reminiscent of that and you've got this whole card terminology pcs and ma- major npcs are wild cards and they get a wild die and uh, they get and, a raise if they do particularly well and uh, and the initiative is uh, is done with a with a deck of cards and the jokers are have very special effects and uh, and bonuses you also use poker chips to give hero points bennies as they're called yeah though i i gather there are people making specific um, poker chips for particular settings should you have a campaign very much based in them. Some people have more money than sense. Um, so, core system. Your attributes or skills or whatever are rated with a die type D4 to D12. Typically. Your attributes limit skill advancement or cost yeah, they, more. They, they don't add to them directly. Yeah, but uh, they but, are. But raising your skill up to the attribute level is cheaper than raising it above that. Yeah. Generally speaking, you roll a die yeah. for your attribute or skill. You roll it a D6 as well, if you're a wild card, yeah. which, as a, as a player character, you will be. A double one is a fumble. Play. Take the better of the two. But if any of them was the maximum value for that die, then you roll again at that. Yeah. And add the same type of die, always. Yeah. Base target you're, is a base four. Base target is a four, uh, a two for something very easy, an eight for something extra hard. And each, each margin of, I think it's four you make above the target, gets you a raise, which is something extra nifty. Yeah. Extra damage, extra effect, extra whatever. Yep. Now, the statisticians among you, if any, will notice that there is a little probability problem here. It's a lot easier to roll a 4 on a d4 than it is to roll an 8 on a d8. Yeah. Uh, For certain classes of tasks, particularly the extra hard ones, it's actually, you're actually more likely to make them if you're less skilled. Not by a huge margin, but that really shouldn't be happening. 
I, I, I'm not going. I'm going to argue with with you here and say that I think that can be argued as a feature, as a <laughs> beginner's luck uh, effect. I, I feel that if I've paid character points to have a higher skill, I should be better at something than I used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but anyway, it, the, the, all right. The, the, this is this is not a crippling flaw. And it's it's fixable. I, it, it just brushes. I, mean, I, I, I wouldn't bother to fix it, honestly. Um, at character generation, it's pretty fast and quick. Yeah. Um, you allocate points between your between your stats. You buy skills. Um, you get advantages, which they call edges, and but they all cost and, the same. And disadvantages are hindrances and give you points back, which you can spend on advances and what have you. Roughly speaking, one hindrance is one edge, but you can also uh, get a hindrance in, a, in in return for skills or an attribute boost or whatever. Yeah. Those are slightly downplayed in the latest edition. The earlier editions, um, they, they strongly suggested that you take your full quota of hindrances and have have people with lots of problems. In, in Deluxe, which is the latest set I've looked at, 2011, um, they're, they're starting to tone that down a bit. Well, yeah, the lots of them are role-playing disadvantages, and you do want to take as many of those as won't cripple you. Um, some of the physical ones and the neurological ones are a little... Are a little um, uh, disadvantageous. From a game design point of view, I tend to think that an advantage and a disadvantage are both ways of saying I'm getting spotlight time now. Yeah. Now, I I am the guy who who gets into a fight in the bar, and and derails the adventure, is just as much a I am important thing as I am the guy who who can sneak through and, and solve the whatever. So this is why GURPS has disadvantage limits, and I, I think they're looking towards a similar sort of thing. Card deck for combat initiative. In other words, your your initiative is completely random each round. It's not based on your stats at all. Uh, there are edges that can give you an advantage. You say, yeah. pick the best of two, best of three cards. And I think the end of the game is with the fast. Yep. Um, you, no, don't argue about it. That's what you've got this turn. It'll be different next. Yeah, uh, it, it does mean you can go very quickly. Pass out a card to everybody. Okay, any aces, any twos, any threes. Yeah, yeah, just carry on, do the thing. Benny's benefits. Rerolls and... Um... Yes, you spend, spend one to re-roll re pretty much any trait test you did. I mean, you can't do it with damage, but any sort of skill roll or stat roll. Yeah. Uh, you re-roll from scratch, including any bonus dice you might have had, and you, you keep the better result. Mm. If you don't like it, you can spend another one and take, do the same thing again, take the best of the three. The GM gets them for major NPCs. And to a limit... And, and, and a pool for everybody based on the number of PCs in the group. Yeah. You can also do it to reduce damage when you're hit, uh, to remove remove a shaken status and things like that. It's a bit narrativist, but a lot of games have it. Yeah. Step back from fully emotion. Um, key thing is, they're not saved between sessions. Mm. You can't save them up to get character advances or anything like that. Yeah. It is strictly use or lose. Yeah. So it's encouraging people to be be active about spending them. Advancement. Looking at roughly, I think it was about two points per session recommended. Yeah, well, one, one, one to one to three, with two being the you've done an average good job. After five, you get some sort of advance, a new edge, or you can buy some new skills or whatever. Hmm. After twenty, you are a higher level, and this unlocks more edges that you can get yeah. as as a more powerful character. Well, the the. The level thing, there is an option for you decide the level. The levels don't don't matter, and you can have any edge at at any any stage. Sure, but the, the, uh, but, as, but as, pre as presented, it's a gradual. As presented, yeah, is one of the things which makes it feel a very old-fashioned system mm. to me. It is 
very focused on miniatures. Um, it, I mean, they say, and it's true, that you don't have to. You can just do it in your head. But there's a lot of talk about um, how everything is weighted in inches. Mm. And that was something I thought went out with, D, with early D&D in the very early war gamey. Yeah, people forget how revolutionary GURPS was. Mm. Saying, we're going to use real-world stats for everything. Yeah. <laughs> your, your, your character's ability to move is rated in yards, not in, in, in what he can do on the tabletop. The tabletop represents yards in the real world, and that and and this goes back back to that. And the the, the core set has a set of print this out. This is the size of the burst your fireball does, and mm-hmm. um, and it feels it it feels it is very focused on on miniatures play and combat, which I, is, I, is I do probably know the thing who, it does best. I do know people who do who do a lot of miniatures play. Um, it's never really been a big thing for me, partly because I'm a really crap painter. No, uh, mm. And if you're using lead figures, those things are damn heavy. <laughs> I'm getting old, my back's bad. But um, yeah, certainly the, the, there is an emphasis on auto combat. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of stuff this. about vehicles. Um, that, that with the pulp emphasis, it, it talks. It, it gives you stats for um, airplanes and dirigibles and and tanks. But it, it is trying to be for low granularity, and so I think that's potentially a good thing. I mean, I, I, I like um, getting involved in intricate vehicle stats, but it's not something you want to do at the table. Oh, no, quite. Um, and you, you've got this scale of 5, D, D4 to D12, and that covers pretty much everybody. Yeah. Um, it, there, there's a note of NPCs. You don't really have to worry about damage for them for the most part. They are up, or they are down, or they are completely out of the fight, and you can take them off the table. Yeah, damage is quite... It, there, there is the shaken thing, which yeah. uh, some people criticise. Basically, you most likely result um, on a marginal it, it, damage is to go, woof, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, which is essentially you lose your next action. Yeah. Um, yeah, because particularly if there are more of them than there are of you, yeah. which is quite a usual situation, only one of them has to succeed to get you shaken and then you can't do anything. It's a, it's a stun lock, to use a video game terminology. Then again, it, this, this does encourage you to, um, to have sidekicks and... Um, Retainers and what have you, yeah. And they, they are, automatic weapons. Uh, they are big on, uh, on, on allowing for easy play with, uh, with allies and, uh, and, and minions and what have you. Also encourages, encourages assistance between party members, which is no, no bad thing. Yeah, the, the focus... With the focus on combat, I do find myself thinking that this doesn't do any of the subtle stuff terribly well. Yeah, um, w- I am probably biased because I like GURPS, or you do too. Um, well, this is, I like a lot of games. I'm, 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 yeah, this, but this it, is... it's, it's nice to be able to say, if I want it, I've got all these technical skills and I can work out how, how long it's going to take to repair something. I, I, it's nice to say if I if they are negotiating and say right, where's your diplomacy? Where is your etiquette? Where is your merchant skill? And those are it's, different. It's, it's, uh, but but that's the degree of granularity. I suspect that this game isn't going to sell to. Yeah, there there is a sort of interpersonal combat thing, isn't there? Uh, is there? I, I saw something along those lines. Um, I may I may a battle of wits thing. So if, I remember it was big on taunting people. I remember that. Yeah. Yes, in, in in many ways it strikes me as a sort of air to talk where, where you're very much encouraged not just to keep shooting the bad guys but to try to do tricks on them to talk them out of position and whatever. Actually, this this is the sort of thing, okay, game system that I would use to run 
something like like Torg, something. It would be a good fit. You just need to do an awful lot of um, yeah. building of stuff to make it work. One thing, given my my enjoyment of fantasy, uh, one thing I find a little lacking is the magic system, which basically says you have a source of energy, you have a number of powers to start with, and you add each one of them as an edge. So basically, you've got a you've got a very limited set of of mm. of things you can do, and it's not even the D and D. You have got a limited set of things you can have prepared for for the game. It, it, you have a you, you have maybe three magical effects to start off with, and that it feel it feels a bit. Yeah, in GURPS turns up with be magic as powers. You know, you yeah. you you've it got your ma- it is magic as powers, burning yes. attack or whatever. Yeah, and it, it and it makes across the genres, it makes um, it makes very little difference whether you are using super science, magic, psionics, or superpowers. Yep. Um, it, 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 it's it, it the loses same, a bit same thing of that flavor. champions tended to do a bit. Yeah, it does feel a, a bit a bit that that was a bit cha- championy. Um, also, just even for fights, you don't really have a lot of tactical options. I mean, you, you can go and help your mate, yeah, and you can call your sidekick to assist you or whatever. But you you don't really have that whole all-out all attack versus normal attack versus cautious attack. We'll get we'll get mail telling us that we're wrong. You know that, don't you? Probably. I'm, I've certainly it's not not come up in the, when when I've played or, or read the book. There, so, I, I think this is. A game. I, I'm, I'm not saying it's minimal. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's not to the extent of D and D where you just you can hit or you can not hit. Yeah, I remember um, those days. But it it, it 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 doesn't have the richness that something like Erps does, but because it's trying to be fast. And I'm not saying this is better or worse. It, it, it's just a thing to be aware of when deciding on the system to play. Yeah, the the worlds that have been done for it are. Very numerous. Uh, Very numerous. Well, it, it, it's not entirely clear what their licensing policy is, because I don't think they've ever published it, but it's clearly a very generous one. An awful lot of start-up game companies have yeah. published books that either refer to or include part of the Savage Worlds rules, so clearly there's, there's some way of doing that without laying out huge amounts what of money. What have you got on your list? Um, I, I've been looking at, well, the, for example, the, the first, I think one of the first ones they did was Deadlands Reloaded, yeah, uh, which is... Okay, you know, you, you, you've, you've played Deadlands. You like it now. Let's bring that back into Savage Worlds, where we've streamlined the system a bit and uh, got got it got some of the rough edges knocked off. Uh, so th- there's your Weird West. Yeah. Um, they're they're trying not to be entirely generic. I mean, that we I think we mentioned Slipstream very briefly when we were talking about yeah, Bob's which is place. a uh, which is a a, a mini a mini universe or maybe a mini solar system. An, is- an isolated world with uh, a Sargos OC for spaceships. Yeah, which is not quite your standard pulp space. Uh, there's uh, th- th- there's Evernight, which is a-, a-, a fantasy setting. Yeah. With an alien invasion going on. Mm. There, um, th- there is generic stuff. There's a fantasy companion, and um, which, as I say, didn't didn't quite inspire me. Um, space. I have not read the Space eighteen eighty nine. Is it is it a good adaptation? Uh, I haven't tried it. To be honest, I was so unimpressed with the original Space eighteen eighty nine rules. I think most things would be an improvement. Yeah. The the campaigns I've the adventures I played in Space eighteen eighty nine were relatively non pulpy, to be yeah. fair. Um, but that's not necessarily true to the source material. So you know, if if you want a John Carter style game, yeah. it's it would certainly support that. No problem at all. Whether it would support the more, the more invention orientated. Hmm. Space 1899, not so much, but uh, it is there. 
There's, uh, I should mention one I have read, which is Necessary Evil, mm. which is a really neat idea and a neat um, set of adventures, having read through it. The idea being that a bunch of alien invaders have slaughtered all the superheroes of, of Earth and uh, have their boot upon the, the neck of, collective neck of humanity. And you are playing that element of um, the resistance, which has been recruited from supervillains. And this means you can be an outright swine, but you are at least working for the good guys, as long as you can avoid slaughtering your teammates. I, th I think this is a good example of the sort of thing they've been trying to do. Uh, they, they could have said, here is the Savage World Superheroes book. Yeah. But instead they said, OK, here is a superhero setting, and you've got the rules support you need to do superheroes, but this actual setting we're going to publish has got a bit of a twist on it. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how well... Yeah, I'm looking for the ideal um, superhero system. I'm not sure that I'm ever going to find it. Any more? Um, Sundered Skies, which is uh, skyships between... Like, yeah, the, the world has been blown up. Uh-huh. But, but, but many there. people have survived. and So you, you've got great big lumps of rock floating in the void, um, which is full of breathable air. Of and you tr transfer between them by a flying ship, naturally. There, there, there is a, there is a certain amount of cool to that, but I'm fairly so, so it's basically fantasy pirates. Yeah. Um, well, unless you want fifty fathoms, which is fantasy pirates in the historical Caribbean. Uh, no, in an ahistorical Caribbean. Historical ish. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, you are incomers from Earth in this world, which has been cursed that the water keeps on rising. Yeah. Yeah, which, um, is, which is not. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. All right. Um, I found Modern Ops, which is basically um, cinematic anti-terrorist versus bad guys. Yeah. Didn't really seem to have much to say. I've, I've got war games that do this already. I'm not, I'm not sure it really goes much beyond the war game, but yeah. one probably could if we're running a campaign. Uh, there's Rippers, which is Victorian horror. Yeah. Uh, um, maybe a slight air of steampunk about it, maybe not. Kind of hard to tell. Yeah, the, all in all, well, this is a game... That I might be prepared to, I, I would probably like with a good GM. Um, uh, it's not what I, one that I'd volunteer to run myself. It's, to me, it seems like a sufficiently loose system that an awful lot would depend on how the GM had decided to run yeah. things. Actually, uh, scrub that. It might. I'm, I'm going to have to give it a try. I, it might become a go-to system as being fast, fun, and furious for pickups when I'm missing a player or two. Mm. It might. Uh, I'm. I really ought to get, uh, be, having talked about it and having read it. I really ought to give some of their pre-gen, um, at least fantasy, games a try and see what they can do. I think possibly the first of the Savage World settings we talked about was uh, Weird War Two. Back when we were talking about yeah. World War Two games, um, that they've done that. They've also done um, things ba based around Vietnam, and I think they've got a Far Future Space Marines versus Undead. Lastly. Selling Vietnam as a fun set, setting for for games. I don't think it's it's meant to be fun per se. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 fun, fast, furious is what the yeah. tagline is. Oh, and uh, room punk. Room punk. Uh, urban high fantasy slash steampunk. Yeah, yeah. We're getting we're getting back to the to the to the um to the problem with jamming it all into into one um uh, fanfic settings. I think. <laughs> well. Uh, it's probably worth mentioning that this is not designed as, as a cross-world game. It's, no. it's designed that you take the book, the, the core rules, and the book for the setting you're in. Yeah, I would not 
and, and you run a campaign. It's 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 not. I think I think that the, the, together the, in any way. I, yeah, I, it, it's not generic in the way Gertz is. I think it needs fiddling with the with, with the base setting actually slightly more than than Gertz would need in in some cases. Well, GURPS has those explicit switches. You've got the default mode, which is call it heroic realism. You you, yeah. you can be slightly better than normal people are, but you you are still constrained by how much bullets hurt and so on. And then there's that page of cinematic switches that you can turn on individually or altogether, of ways to get a more not 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 only a more powerful but faster yeah. game. And Sandwich Worlds doesn't really do that. It assumes that there, there. This is the particular sort of game we're going to do, and that, that's and this is how we're going yeah. to do it. There, there aren't there aren't the explicit tweaks that you get in GURPS. Well, uh, yeah, but to, to to fit genres, I think it needs to. I think it needs to be fiddled with a, a little bit, but perhaps not very much. But yeah. the, the, the genre of genres they're going for is fast, fun, furious, pulpy, yeah. action above um, the more complicated stuff. It's very hard to one, one shot kill. Anybody. We're not trying to uh, damn this with faint praise. No, no. I'm, this is a thing that you should be aware of. Um, you you can take people down, knock them unconscious, but it's very hard to kill them in yeah. the in the combat. And this is obviously good for PCs. It's potentially quite good for major villains as well. But it it is going to be a thing that affects the flavour of the game, and it's something a GM should be aware of. Yeah, um, yeah I, I've played it a little bit. Quite enjoyed it. It's. Not really a favourite system of mine, but uh, I'm, I'm not, certainly not opposed to it. I, I would play it if I saw an interesting-looking game at a convention. Yeah, I I, uh, I played it once at a convention. I, I think I had fun. But it was so fast, <laughs> fun, fast and furious. I'm not sure if I had any. series of games which were put together and vanished pretty much um, uh, instantly. They only lasted two years, I think. Yep. Uh, I don't know whether anybody else played them. I certainly never met anybody playing them in the UK and never heard about other people using it. We are talking about The Amazing Engine. And it was quite amazing in, in, in ways that um, you might not expect. Well, uh, let's get this... Uh, Fixed in time, first of all. When was this? Uh, it came out in '93. Some of the books came out in '94. All right. Uh, it was TSR doing something other than D and D, which is generally not, historically speaking, been a good thing for them. But hmm. they they kept trying, poor loves. So what were they trying this time? It's a sort of generic game, hmm. generic rule system, but unlike other generic games we've looked at. Uh, it doesn't have any sort of cross-world angle. There's, there's no suggestion that you can combine different worlds to yeah. make anything. But this actually fills the same sort of niche as Savage Worlds that we were just talking about. I think what happened was someone at TSR had noticed that lots of campaigns don't actually last very long. Lots of groups play, you know, four weeks, six weeks. Yeah. And then they will try something else. And I, I think they thought, wouldn't it be nice to be able to use the same rules for that? In, for different worlds. Uh-huh. And then, the strange thing, wouldn't it be nice if you could take it a step further and take some of your experience points earning from one campaign and apply them to another? Yeah, it strikes me that this was a delusion which came up about how people ought to be playing role-playing games rather than how they actually were. 
The, the nearest thing I can conceptually I can come up with is the idea in the Dream Parks books, and to a certain extent in the uh, role-playing game, that the, the players were rated rather than characters. It's funny you should mention that, because uh, there, there are a lot of parallels, though I suspect they're coincidental. I, I think this also may be because this, this was still the era when the... A lot of people assumed that if you started a new game, you started as whatever the game told you a beginning character was. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it, it still happens a lot. So Yeah, but people felt really strongly about this. And in D if you were starting D&D, you would start at first level. If you were yeah. starting RuneQuest, you would have your... What the game gives your you. farm boy just off the farm with his one spell which can kill rats. <laughs> Usually. As, as distinct from, say, GURPS, where there's a point budget and maybe it's the standard 100 points yeah. and maybe it isn't. Um, but anyway, the way they did this was oddly metagamey in, in a... Hmm, anyway, you, you have a player core. Hang on, and you start by rating four groups of two yeah, you, you traits each. Hang on, you, you generate the player core first. Okay, go which on. Which includes that stuff. And the idea is that you, you, you have this, which gives you a vaguely character-shaped outline. Yeah. But it doesn't. It doesn't represent anything specific within the game, it, it, and, and yeah. you then from that build the PC you're going to have in a specific world. It assumes, um, as part of its core uh, marketing assumptions, that players want to play the same sort of character vaguely every time, which is true yeah. for some players. I know some players who like doing that. Uh, yeah, but this assumes that the, the, Robin's laws talk about the specialist. Yeah. So the, the, these people clearly exist, we just don't seem to meet them all that much. Well, go on. yeah, true. There are four stat groups, uh, ability pools, physique, intellect, spirit and influence, which is a fairly obvious sort of division. Um, each, of, each of those is split down, so physique becomes fitness and reflexes, intellect becomes learning and intuition and so on. Yeah. So generate the player core, you rank the ability pools from best to worst. Yeah. Which effectively gives you bonus points. Uh, I'll, I'll, oh, come, right. I'll come You'll back get to it. You'll get to it. You take four four of the eight attributes, the the individual sub, yeah, things, and roll four d ten for each of them. The other four get three d ten for each of them. Yeah. So you know they could overlap. They might not be as high as you wanted, but yeah. Then you add bonus points from the ability pools. The the top ranked one gives you fifteen points to split between the two attributes mm -hmm. in that group, which is not a huge change. Yeah. But it's not actually clear why you did um, roll these attributes at all, because what you then do is add them up again, divide by ten, round up, note that under dice, under the ability pool, and that's all you actually ever use. No, no, I think... To... That, that, oh, yeah, that, on the, in the in player, the player core. core. Yeah. Now, at that point, you have a, you have a player core. That, that's all there is to it. It's, it's just the attributes. It's just the ability pool dice, in fact. Yeah. Then, to generate an individual character... You take those dice, split them between the attributes again, however you like. So you, you might have, you know, five dice in intellect and three dice in physique. So yeah. you would um, split those between the individual attributes and then roll them to get the actual attribute value. Are you sure? Yeah. That... You, also, you also get seven free dice. Bloody hell. Well, I misunderstood that entirely because I was going from the point of view that you create a character from the, the, the scores in the middle bit... Um, and no, the, the, the scores in the middle bit for the player core are completely irrelevant. They don't mean anything. 
Are you sure? Yeah. I read this stuff. <laughs> so you, you, you have your dice from the ability pools and you have seven free dice that can, you can put anywhere you like. All right, can I just And then say, you get bonus pool, points from the ability pools again. All right, let me stop at this stage and say, why the... I'm sorry, you can bleep that out if you like. But why the galloping Nora did they include the random dice in that in that section? It's a role-playing game. You need to roll for attributes in a role-playing game. Yeah, but that's the core bit. That's the bit where you express your preferences. That's the designed bit, but... Yeah, so if you have bad dice luck, the, th the thing you're best at could be the thing you end up with lowest dice in. The thing you want to be best at, there was a... Yeah. Okay, okay. Let us say at this point in time that this is deeply broken even before you've got to generating the character and go on a bit. So, you have the bonus points from the ability pools again to the attributes. Again? Well, you, you added them originally to, to work out your dice values. Did you? Right, okay, never mind. Eventually, <laughs> eventually you end up with but these you, eight you, stats you, you end up with, 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 with Yeah, and that's what you actually play with. Um, there, there may be per world modifications. Yeah. The, the, um, one, one of the worlds says, okay, you, you get a plus 30 to everything except influence stats because it's it's a tough world and you're going to need it. Yeah. And then you pick some skills, which is typically up to about five usually. Yeah, the and, skills, and sk are skills, skills are binary, mostly. I mean, uh, succeed you, you, or fail. You, you have a, no, you have a skill or you don't. Yeah, except... When, when you roll against it, you generally roll against the ability that it's attached to, not not a skill level. Except that you seem to have the skills layered in, yeah. uh, in a, a manner that's reminiscent of first edition paranoia. There is a cascade system, yeah. Um, and I, I am not entirely clear on exactly what the rules meant by this. I did, I did have a feral go at it. But... It tells you two different things. The basic idea is that let's say you have a gun skill in general and a pistol skill in particular, yeah. to take a fairly obvious example. The idea is you, you can shoot stuff with the gun skill, but it's penalised because there is a more specific skill that you could have. Yeah. Um, there, it, it expresses this in two different ways, and I don't think it means you to apply both penalties. But who knows? But fund fundamentally, if if you have a skill, it it's kind kind of like Warhammer role playing, and the derived systems yeah. from that. If you have a skill, you can roll against the stat that governs it, and that's your success odds. Yeah. Which for a starting character will no never be over fifty. If you don't have the uh, skill, then, then you if you can default it at all, then it's half the stat. Yeah, th this is the bare bones system, and obviously. Lots of stuff has to get hacked, hacked onto that. Yeah, I mean, the, to the, make it work. The, there is you know, combat and um, interpersonal stuff and so on, oh, but, oh, but, yeah. but, but that's the core of it. it, it it's trying to be a universal resolution system. They're not doing it terribly well. Yeah. You get earn experience points. How many is a bit vague. Yeah. Uh, you, you can you can use these for 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 several different things. Uh, got you, two. you you can use them for your character. Yeah. Which is either to do what they call a tax, taxing an ability, which is basically getting a one-off boost to your skill roll. Yeah, they're, they're functioning like uh, hero points here. It was a thing that every game of that sort of era had to have, yeah. Hey, hey later too, yeah. Yeah, but in, in this sort of era, they had to have it even if it didn't fit. <laughs> okay. Um, Why? Because it was the thing. It was the thing, yeah. Or, or you can improve your abilities, your stats... Yeah. Or on an n to one ratio, which is defined by the universe. 
So, so you, you might need 10 experience points to put a stat up, or you might yeah. need five or whatever. Or you can buy skills, and the cost varies with the universe. Or you can do the fourth thing. Yeah, and put well, it's actually the fourth and fifth things. Instead of, instead of applying experience points to your character, you yeah. can apply them to the core. You have to decide when they're awarded. Yeah. And it seems to me that this decision is going to be largely based on how long you expect the campaign to last. True. Um, but yeah, you, for a hundred points, which is quite a lot, you can put up one of your core ability pools by one die, mm. which doesn't affect any PCs you already have, but any future PCs you generate yeah. will have that. Or, or you can leave points in the core and transfer them to a new PC when you generate it, mm. and, and apply them as experience to that new PC. Uh, having described this, I cannot think of any group I have ever come across that would find this to be a neat idea. It, they... it, it's mechanically interesting. That the thing I have a problem with is the the whole concept of the core character and the, and the PCs separate yeah. from that doesn't mean anything in the game world. And if you just added on something like the Dream Park setting, yeah, or something similar, you know, the the core character is is your eternal soul, and then you have instances of it manifesting in different worlds. Oh, well, hang on, your core character is your is is the player in the real world, whatever we mean by that, and we're rating that, that player how much we trust them. How, how much, that, this this could the, actually the, have happened in a, if, if gaming had developed in an entirely different way than they actually did. I, I, what, what I'm thinking here is if there was some sort of in-universe justification for it, then people might have said, hey, that's kind of neat, and let, yeah. let's not worry too much about the clunky mechanics. But there isn't. There, yeah. there is no explanation given for why things should apply this way. And what, why would you not just take another 30 seconds to generate a different player core for a Yeah, for because it specifically it's, says you can. Yeah, it's, um, it's not a particularly complicated process. I... Alright, now the next stage of, of looking at this, and then not being terribly polite about it, is to look at what they actually chose to to do with it. What what do you think was the that was the, 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 the management, the marketing decision behind doing this? Because it seems to make no sense at all. They they, <laughs> they, they had this mechanic and they had some games that they were working on that were being kicked around. The introduction to the best one of the group, which I think is um, Metamorphosis is Alpha to Omega, um uh, actually has the the, 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 the writer saying, Hey I was planning to bring this out in a totally different system, but then my manager said to me, I can't imagine uh, a games company nowadays allowing that particular um, yeah. comment to get appear in one of its official publications. <laughs> I will argue with you about which is the best one, but anyway, uh, I, I think it, it may well have been along those lines. They had people who wanted to write stuff. They probably didn't want to write it for D&D. &D. Yeah. Most of these worlds are a bit sideways from what the standard things were at the time. There, there isn't a generic fantasy world. Mm. There is, all right, there is a fairly generic science fiction world. But I, I think they, they were trying to do things that were a bit strange. True. And they, they thought, let's find a strange system to do it with. As da David Zeb Cook was the designer of the core system. Mm. And I, th I think he was one of those people who, whom TSR found a bit strange, but, but occasionally he would come up with a moment of towering genius, and so they kept, they kept him around. So, yeah, the world's... It, we should say for for the first couple of these, they um, sold sold them as a, sold as a separate pack. The system guide, which yeah. is the core rules we've just talked about, and the world book. Yeah. And the theory was going to be that you you would buy one of these to get started, 
and then later world books would just be the world book without the rules, mm. or, or what you might call the GURPS model. Yeah. In practice, for everything after the first two, they just put a condensed version of the world book into the front of the book anyway. They're the core, the, the, core, the core rules. Yeah, into the front of the book, yeah. So the, the one I think was actually one of the best uh, was Bug Hunters, which is an unashamed ripoff of Aliens. I, I was saying it was more um, a, a modified version of Starship Troopers. It's sort of there, yeah. Um, it, it, it's I, actually, action I, horror against a variety of horrible creatures. It's and and well, the thing that struck me about it was the fact that the you've got you you're out you're out there your troopers fighting um, uh, fight, fighting an a, an alien menace for defending good old, old Earth, and you're never going to go back home. And the reason you're never going to go back home is because you're you're clones of people back on Earth who have donated their genes and their memory. Mm -hmm. And that struck me as being a possible inspiration for John Scalzi's Old Man's War. Yeah. Maybe that many years later. It's a very neat. It's a neat idea. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure how much fun I would have going down and 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 hunting bugs. But well, I I stole lots of crunchy bits out of that for the uh, campaign you played in. Oh yeah, there would be if TSR had been interested in that sort of thing. A a good hearts and minds and and soap opera element mm. to uh, to it if you if you want. If that was the sort of thing we were we were doing back then, which I don't think we were. If anybody remembers Space Above and Beyond, it could work well in that sort of yeah idea. But that was your favourite. Yeah, let's see. There was for Fairy Queen and Country, Victorian England with magic and non-humans and stuff. Which sounds like a neat idea, but I found got rather bogged down in telling Americans about too many Victorian historical details. Yeah, it does cite young Sherlock Holmes as inspiration. Yeah, yeah. My one line in that was cut. <laughs> it didn't even get that left on the on the on the on the cutting room floor. It never got filmed, so I'm bitter and twisted about my association with that. I, I think the actual the core problem with the book though is it's got all this stuff about atmosphere. Yeah. Some of it more useful than others. It, it very little about what do PCs actually do. I mean this is the thing yeah, we've I talked about before. I could not find that in there. Anyway, you're supposed there, there's, to there's be, no adventure, there's no You're supposed to be the, the agents of the crown dealing with weird fairy stuff in Victorian England and you're supposed to be half weird yourself but there's no clear there's no clear yeah whereas B Bug Hunters does make it quite clear yeah you, you are there to, to kill horrible aliens there's this yeah it's, it's uh, Bug Hunters has, uh, has divided between the Navy between Navy missions and Marine missions and it gets mm -hmm. a bit it's not perfect but it's better so the see there was Magitech which is basically a D and D world lives into the twentieth century, so you can have well, the, the the modern world if it had magic in it. So in magic Inc., Operation Chaos. Yeah, bits like bits like that. Um, but I think it assumes I didn't give this one a deep read. A back history, which is more like a D and D world than um, yeah, than anything else. Which is a nice idea, but uh, maybe done better elsewhere. Yeah, ad adventures are. Um, reclaiming monoblasted areas and uh, exploring and, and so on. Mm. Uh, there's the Galaxos Barrier, which is... Okay, it's Star Wars. It, 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 it's a space fantasy, it says. It's got laser swords. Oh, all right, it's, it's Star Wars. <laughs> it's got the music of the spheres, which is not in any way the Force honest. Yeah. Chromosome? Biopunk. Yeah. Uh, so it's starting off as cyberpunk, but you, you've got lots of um, strange genetic stuff going on as well. 
stuff that, again something that was done uh, that was done later perhaps better by uh, by by more mature systems and and better backed up like, all of these get one get one world book and and release them flump yeah um whether they planned to release adventures and things as well we don't know um, yeah. th- they probably would have if any of them had been particularly successful but they weren't so uh metamorphosis and alpha to omega you were mentioning when, yeah, which is the a rehash of the uh, of the of the original 70s um uh setting which arose from a a D game which which had the the uh the the twist that you suddenly discover you're on a generation starship and mm-hmm. not in a fantasy world at all. And this version is a bit gonzo. It has... It's not, not written by the original author, we should say. Well, it's derived from the work of the of the original author. It yeah. has a, a, a fairly gonzo flavour and a feeling of some of the illustrations of paranoia and, uh, and other humorous <laughs> games. Uh, but it's not bad as an introduction to the setting and an outline. It's a good outline of what you can do mm. on the Starship Warden and a list of some of the things other people have done. I don't know how it's been treated in the late uh, that much in the later editions. I think the later editions turn more ser- slightly more serious again. But it's 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 a it's a. I, I believe this is a setting TSR have reused rather things since. Yeah, um, I believe there there is a, a current version. Yeah, I like I liked it. I I've used it once as a a setup for my for for a crossover adventure uh, with my Bainstorm game. And if you can plug a a Mage Four's brain into the uh, Star uh, Starship <laughs> Warden, he can do remarkable things. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, okay, once in future, King, King Arthur in space. Uh, in, I think that's in space with 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 Sir Lancelot on his trusty Robo steed with his laser lance and oh boy, yeah, so. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a conceit. You could probably make a five-minute cartoon out of it. Where, where are you the legs? You could make an entire Saturday morning series out of it. Yeah, where are the legs, though? I mean, uh, not on the uh, not on the hovering ro- ro- robo steed. <laughs> if it hasn't got legs, how can it kick you? Anyway, um, and the last one of these, uh, which was the one, the one by Zeb Cook, was tabloid. Yeah, this is a neat idea. It's all true. All the stuff in the, in the supermarket tabloids about aliens and Elvis's baby and all the rest of it. And you are, a, uh, are one of the brave, bold reporters daring enough to go out and find the truth. I must admit, I didn't get past the character generation system in this because I giggled too much. <laughs> Basically, you find yourself in a, in a churning cy- a cycle of being rejected by college, being rejected by journalism school, <laughs> being rejected by all other work and your girlfriend, and eventually you find yourself working for a tabloid. At least that's as far as I can make it out. It sounds like it's a neat idea, but um, something are you reusing it for something like Over the Edge um, would seem to be the logical thing to do. Well, well it's worth considering Dark Conspiracy, which I, th- I think predates this slightly. This uh, is not dark. Hang on a sec. Which ha- also takes as its premise that you could use supermarket tabloids as scenario generators. Yeah. Written by Lester Smith, who, who wrote Bug Hunters for this. Hmm. Could be, yeah. <laughs> so, well, what have we got here? We've got a let's be frank, a disaster of a of a game system and a few really neat ideas. The 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 production pick over the corpse. That's what we do here. Yeah, I, I, the, I would I would pick over the corpse of tabloid for almost any modern weird weird stuff 
I would, I have picked over the corpse of Metamorphosis Alpha to Omega. Yeah, and I said I, I used Bug Hunters. Um, um, I can even see Magitech being useful if if you were running something like GURPS Technomancer and wanted some other yeah it's stuff a, that wasn't in the book. If uh, from what little attention I paid to it, gosh, we we work hard here. Uh, um, to, to to get our reviews together. Yeah, we tried to work out what these rules meant. <laughs> I got it wrong, apparently. Why? Why did they do that? Why? And I, I can see, uh, as we were saying, something along the Dream Park line. Yeah. If you had an in-game justification for these characters being connected, whether it's... For the campaigns being connected. Yeah. Um, you could you could make it a, a, a um, you are players in a game sort of thing, or you could just say you, you, you are in some way supernaturally connected. Yeah. And I, I, I love the idea of, of a world spanning campaign where you're having to share information across worlds to, to put together the solution to the mystery, for example. Oh, you make things too yeah, you like making things too complicated, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but if you find uh, But really you don't need the system guide. <laughs> no, you really don't. Uh, if you find any of these lying about, please take the take uh, you know, in cheap or on eBay. Do take a look at them if you're at all at all interested. They could have been they should have been better prepared and better edited and, and generally better thought out. But they were a burst of enthusiasm, which uh, got brief support from TSR. Yeah, I, th I think one could regard it as TSR's last gasp of not being corporate clone. Yeah. Oh, OK, they got taken over fairly soon after that. Hey, 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 I think their last ga gasp of that was, uh, was Everway, but uh, that was later, wasn't it? Just a bit. Mm, I don't recall, yeah. But yeah, yeah, the the before everything became D twenty and um, and a great rolling a great rolling uh, juggernaut, it was well, it was a, a a brief burst of let's try something different, but we uh, but uh, qualified by but we don't really know how. Yeah, there is a certain feeling of I am the guy in the suit trying to be hit with the kids. <laughs> but that's that's not... a little unkind, Roger. A certain feeling. There, there, yeah. there is good stuff here. It just may may take a bit of finding. Anyway, we, we, we salute you. across the years. We salute you. You 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 toil us in the in in the vineyards of the of the amazing engine. We hope that in your subsequent lives, which we haven't researched terribly well, um, you 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 got better deals out of your next set of publishers. This is part of a series which we could call uh, "When Things Go Wrong." When players attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep, uh, GM tip number one: keep uh, keep a clear path between you and the door. I want to talk about miscommunication and how things go wrong between player and G between players and GM individually and collectively. Role-playing is mostly about communication and compromise and agreeing what it was that we meant. So I want to look at the occasions and the types of when things go wrong. I've got three occasions. I'm not sure I've got a, a complete list of types. Let me start with the first one, which is miscommunicating of rules. Um, it's We could probably do an entire segment on how you teach new rules to players. Mm. I've... I think we are assisted by the fact that as games go on, they are getting simpler. Well, 
in certain directions. That some, that, then, some there may ways. be a lot of GURPS, but there is one core mechanic of GURPS. It's true. And my uber memory of this, er memory, er memory of what I mean, um, of this is way back in the late 70s when I was uh, stuck in Coventry for a while, which was chronicled in a book that um, somebody who decided he didn't like being a D&D player um, wrote a long time later. I was stuck in Coventry and running games for a local uh, games club uh, full of teenagers. I was in my 20s. And I decided to run On Guard as a face-to-face game because I was short of material. And I explained the rules as best I could. These are the things you can do. And we ran the first month. For those of you who don't know, it's a game about social climbing in in the world of the Three Musketeers and Colonel Richelieu and like that. I think has fairly constraining rules about what you can do and how. Yeah, uh, but but they 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 were they were willing to take take my lead. I was older and more experienced. They called me Daddy Kewl. Hmm. Um and then I discovered I had to explain to them that you don't accumulate um, social step level points from month to month. You have to get it all in one month. And they looked at me murderously, and uh, that session did not go well. I can't hmm. tell how many times this comes up. It's mostly gonna happen early in the in the in a game's run. Um uh, but it, it does happen again in la- later on when you're using more specialised bits of the rules which you thought you explained properly. What's the major flaws when you're explaining rules? How do you go wrong? Excessive detail, I think. Uh-huh. Um Particularly with a, with a modern game, it, it is important to I think to get the core mechanic bedded in first. Yeah, true. There, there will be a single core mechanic, so you say, okay, no, th- this is how uh, this is how a three d six roll works in GURPS. Yeah, you're trying to get you know, that that or lower. If you get particularly low, it's very good. If you get particularly high, it's very bad. Yeah, and, and what I want to know when I ask you to roll against something is the margin of success. Yeah. And I, get get that bedded in, and then you can pretty much leave the other stuff, and then just play for a bit. Yeah, except when you say, well, except when they try, they think they they know how to try something, and you have to say, "Hang on a minute, that's not how it works." And then you get the argument about um, uh, what he didn't tell us that we've been planning for the past uh, half hour based on our our assumption. We'll come back to yeah, that. Uh, that that is part of the problem when when something has been built on the edifice that one has on. Un- inadvertently constructed. Yeah, well, that's that's a very good metaphor. We build up these edifices in the minds of the players and then they discovered that we haven't built them where uh, yeah, we are we are dodgy we are dodgy builders and contractors. And this this can happen in board games as well, you know. I I've just spent uh, three turns getting from one side of the board to the other to do something and then then I discover that I can't do it. Yeah. And we can't roll back the game three turns. Yeah, there there is a limit to how far you can and do. I don't know there ought to be a list of best practice in explaining rules and expanding players' knowledge of how the rules work, but it's or it's impeded by my terrible memory and sometimes by mishearing. This is the thing that's going to come up throughout this segment. What you say isn't necessarily what the players hear. What you said may not have been what you thought you said. And however much you encourage the players to ask questions, they're not going to ask the key questions usually. Hmm, also true. All right. Second stage of misunderstanding between players and GMs is when you're selling the campaign to them. When you're um, explaining to them what it is you're going to do and they're saying yes or no, 
One of my major failings was in setting up the Gerbs Bainstorm game, the uh, tread of the Treadroy Practicals. Practicals in the in the world of, of Earth are a local term in, the, in 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 the city of Treadroy. Fixers, people who act as partly enforcers, partly as private detectives, people who get things done. And when I pitched it to my group, I overemphasized the semi-legal nature of it, mm-hmm. and which led to them, on one occasion, killing somebody when they really shouldn't have. And on one occasion, uh, right at the start of the game, one player designing a character who was a great deal more shady and more manipulative and more political background than the slightly rollicking rest of the party. And he felt out of it. He felt I wasn't serving his character. And this is entirely my fault. I didn't, I didn't listen to what the player was telling me via the character they had written. Yeah, no, I, I've said quite a few times that I'm in favour of campaign pitches yeah. when you're describing something to, to potential players. So it's something along the lines of, you know, player characters are X and they do Y. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily tell you what sort of tone you're thinking of. I mean, if I, if I say uh, player characters are pirates on a fantasy world who are going to be uh, robbing ships and um, taking loot off islands inhabited by horrible monsters and things, yeah. that doesn't tell you whether, whether I'm thinking of uh, grim, grim and Gritty or we're all pirates and it's great fun. If, if a swing from the chandeliers involved. Indeed. Or rigging or whatever you happen to have. Um, and and to people say, aha, me fine beauty. The yeah, tone is the hardest thing to, to communicate. Even when face-to-face tone is is the hardest thing to communicate and doing it via the internet is even harder. Yeah, and the, there have been descriptions of campaign styles and Gups Horror has some good stuff about scope. Yeah, you know, how high are the stakes and things like that? It doesn't quite describe mood. I mean, obviously, mood can change in a campaign anyway, but yeah, the, it, it's a tricky one to specify. It, and scope is, is and uh, there's the reach. That I'm not, not sure what the term Gerbs Horror uses is the reach the players has. That their scale and scope, something like that. Their 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 opportunity for agency, how desperate their straits are, and how likely they are to fail. What the stakes are. Hmm. These are very hard to uh, to communicate because you're giving them the elevator pitch. Yeah, pretty Which much. My definition is brief. Yeah, uh, and your rule says no more than a, a page of of, of A four briefing. Is that for per campaign? What, when you start? Um, that is what the, what the player has to read. Yeah. If they express interest, they can have more stuff. Yeah. But, but that's what they that's what they need to know. Yeah, the feel. Feel is, is is very hard. And the thing is, feel changes with what the players give you. I My mistake in the Treadroid game was listening to the great feedback I was getting from four players and not noticing that uh, the fifth wasn't engaging as thoroughly or using as much of his character's stuff as he could have been. So it... It's a problem that increases with um, with the number of players around the table. Mm. And uh, I've found, uh, at least run, running games with the people I've known, that uh, generally they're not, not all that willing to give feedback anyway. Yeah, um, so, some of that's being British, of course. But mm. um, I don't know if there is a solution to, to this other than stopping and saying, is this going all right? 
and, and that too can be breaking the mood and um, mm. and, and disrupting things. If, if there are clear breaks uh, within the overall campaign structure, then that I think is a good opportunity to say, right, we're getting to the end of this. Um, do you guys want to keep playing this, or do you want to try playing something else for a bit for a break? Um, and that 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 could then provoke a bit of other feedback as well. Yeah. Uh, do you like where we're going? Where do you want to go next? Yeah. But, yeah, it's very tricky, and maybe Americans can play more. Um, uh, but British players have a tendency to think, well, I've got a good group. I'm enjoying it overall. It could be better. I'll mention it at the end of the campaign. <laughs> There's um, something, something I think can stick on the side of this. Yeah. Uh, it's come up a few times recently, which is surprises in the campaign premise. Yeah, uh, bait and switch is what you're you're trying to avoid. That that's the downside. Yeah, if you're saying to people, generate characters who who are doing stuff on modern Earth. Yeah, and you then drop them into another world with no way back because your campaign is about people from modern Earth being lost on another world with no way back. At least some players are going to be really hacked off about that. Yeah, the. Quite oh, often, including me. Well, the the big reveal of of Metamorphosis Alpha. That you're on, you're on a spaceship, son, and this is this is not uh, that that's a wall over there and not the horizon. Um, it's awesome, but I can see some players w would be uh, really peeved by it. It's harder to I, do I, that I see sort that of big not, reveal. I see that as not quite as bad, on the basis that what you've been doing is bashing monsters and taking their stuff, yeah, and true. you can continue to bash monsters and take their stuff. Yeah, true, but except that your agency. As suddenly, in the old context, when you need to be able to uh, reprogram the security pass on the next electronic door, your ability to stab things with a spear suddenly mm. shrinks in comparison to the cosmos. Yeah, um, I'm not sure I can think of any modern games which pull the same sort of um, reveal. It's hard. It's harder to do. Well, I think I think it's a thing that happens in individual campaigns rather than games, uh, published games for the most part. Yeah. Because published games are published and players can read them. Yeah. I've done this successfully once. Yeah. I set up a world in which the Black Death was much more severe and various other things went wrong and the Japanese feudal period ended up colonising North America. Yeah, fair enough. Certainly across the Pacific is difficult, but it can be done. It's actually easier to sail to America than back from it. So... There was that, and the players were generating samurai, or at least people of that class, yeah. not necessarily warriors. And I pointed out that, yeah, you, you, of course you believe in magic. You know, you, uh, it, it's not a thing you would have anything to do with. But um, you know, the, the, the peasants go for you know, charms and things, and you don't don't take it terribly seriously. And in the second adventure, they met an actual witch, mm. who was not to be taken lightly. Though with with sufficient swords, you did did get the point, um, <laughs> and I I think that was fair warning. The players were not hacked off; they were they were pleasantly surprised. It's not that big a reveal, but it is a reveal. Yes, uh, I I was setting them up to think of this as oh, this is just a peasant belief that you don't take seriously. Yeah, but compare a thing I think I may have mentioned before um, a, a long running game of uh, basically modern mercenaries. Yeah, which I joined in what turned out to be the same session as when they were all being thrown to a fantasy world. And you decided, uh, we'll walk. Yeah. The third big point of miscommunication 
and this is the hardest, I think, to overcome, is when you're describing details in the world. Now, I do not prepare maps for everything. I don't even bring the battle map to every every session. I don't remember the last time I used one. And I don't have prepared maps uh, for for everything. Sometimes I just have to pull a a country house out of my arse and uh, wow. and describe it <laughs> in sufficient detail. But this is not perfect. And you, you have to be careful with macros. If you say a big house in the country, yeah, you probably have a picture of what that looks like. Yeah, this is true. But, I... the, but the players will have a different one. And this comes down to you said there were stairs up. I did. You said there were stairs going up. Look, there are stairs on this map you have provided. There are. Russell, Russell, Russell through the prepared map I'm using. There's no second floor on this description. Um, <laughs> that is some. That was somebody else's fault. But uh, but people decide the door is over here in their mind, and you've decided the door is over there, and um, and there comes a problem. At which point the players, some player says, "No, I didn't. I'm still back there." Or, no, I didn't. I go through that door there, the other one. And you have to go back and sort it out. Now, some of that, I recognise, is players trying to get out of the situation that you've got them into. And I'm not quite sure how much... that It's a very difficult decision to to to, to resolve whether you're going to let them get away with that. Mm, I, I don't get that so much. I, I, I'm fortunate in, in that... Um, at least two of my players, when when they think things are starting to get a bit uncertain, will say, "Could you please give us a map?" Yeah, and I will then sketch whatever is needed. Yeah, and the trouble is, it breaks flow. The, the, yeah. this, the, the, this is the this is the problem. It bre- it breaks flow. Now, what I wish I had was a set of, of pictures and illustrations for every conceivable occasion. And sometimes, have you tried using the internet? <laughs> shut up. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm semi-serious here. All right, all right. Sometimes I have material prepared, and I've, I, I, I know enough about the, the period. I have plenty of illustrations for the restoration game uh, that I'm currently running. I can say this is the sort of fl- fluffy outfit the Duke of Monmouth is wearing, and that is really his silly wig over there. <laughs> and, uh, and this is what the building looks like. And I've got, I've got maps of London and, and all, all sorts of stuff, but it still comes d- down to the... The, to the nitty gritty little details, many of which I don't recognise I'm doing, as I improvise, because you know I I, I pull things out, out of thin air, based on narrative need, and sometimes I have to go back and say no I can't I can't admit that can I, and that's the thing I want to want to avoid. But flow above all things, and I'm sometimes sacrificing an irrit- uh, the player's understanding to my getting the story out. And there's a conflict here, and I don't know entirely how to re- resolve it. Mm. The thing that I... Tr- this this is some of what why I talk a lot about consistency. Yeah. And the, the, the system I generally use for this is the what, what one might call um, top-down world creation. If, if I know the core principles of the world well enough, mm-hmm. I, can, I can interpolate from yeah. the big stuff to say, okay... This is this is the sort of building they have here. Yeah, that that's an extreme and, and self-aggrandizing example. I I can't do that, but I would like to. It, it's my ideal situation. Yeah, whereas I want to do it from the bottom up. I want to say, this is what this 
given what we've already said about this village, this is the sort of inn they would have. Mm. And it would have... This well, th- th- this also works, yeah. Uh, it would have this many stories. And and then I want to take it from uh, what, the, what the village is like, what the inn is like, up to the... I mean, it meets in the middle, up to, to mm. discovering what the Lord's house is like and... Uh, and how many how the roads go and where how the church works and all that sort of thing. I'm yep. doing I'm doing a complicated job of exploring at the moment because I'm exploring a magic system and setting it up so that the rest of the in by player experimentation and the questions they ask and the assumptions they make are telling me what the world is going is going to have to be like. And occasionally I'm going, no, that can't work. Now, have I got a good reason why that can't work? (laughs) I haven't failed yet, but they're getting close to actually being able to do stuff. It's quite frightening. Having reasons for things is is good. Even if you're making them up at the time, as long as you can remember them and apply them again later. Yeah. This is where taking notes and writing things up early is a major benefit. This also comes into the um, yes but or no but. Yeah, school of answering players. If they say I want X, you, you don't you don't say no. You can't have it. You say no because of this complication. Yeah, or I say yes, but also that is implied. Or you say yes, and you know what else you can have with that? <laughs> like them, like that. Free triple. Free tri- free tri- have this free triple. Yes, free triple with every purchase. But it it seems to me that ma- making that sort of connection g- gives you the cross links. Yeah. Between things, so so wherever wherever your players suddenly land you in in the web of stuff yeah. you've invented, you can go from that to somewhere more um, solid. Yeah, um, yeah. The 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 um, this is this is happening. It's especially delightful to me at the moment because I've got a player who knows more about seventeenth uh, century mysticism and medi- medieval uh, sorcery than I do. And he, <laughs> and he keeps seeing things which I hadn't noticed, but I'm keeping ahead of it just a bit. <laughs> Have you yeah. got any categories of, of misunderstanding we haven't mentioned? Um, that's the main one. That, um, tone in particular. And I, I've had problems when I, I have thought that this NPC is a bit of light comic relief. And, they're and, and he, sa- he says something completely barking, and the players think, aha, this is the key to the great mystery. Well, the thing to do then is to make it the key to the great mystery. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've certainly caused tactical confusion. I'm grateful to my players for saying, "Give us a map, please, Roger." Yeah, you 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 are allowed to do this. Things that the referee should not balk at include giving you a sketch map and keeping the sketch map for later. Um, would also be a good idea. Yeah, my campaign files just gradually get fatter. Yeah, and write, writing it up and making it all, it all good. Oh, damn, I really ought to make some use of my new cart, campaign cartographer 3 to do some maps for the for the game. The, go, going back to the, uh, a thing that I've certainly found helpful, since I started just writing up campaigns off, off the day after the session, Yeah, I'm much more able to be consistent because I can check either when I'm preparing or indeed when I'm playing sometimes. Yeah. What was the particular thing that was said on that occasion? Speaking of which, I uh, I am finding I currently have six players in my Wednesday night group whose complaints about me have contributed largely to this um, to this <laughs> segment. And six players is getting to be too much. Miscommunication is happening across the table just by the sheer amount of noise that they're that they're making. I'm cracking the whip and and having to say, "Now you look, hush." 
stop the speculation about the dirty books in that corner whilst I deal with the interrogation in this corner. <laughs> if I if I will if I will give them a, a, an occult bookseller who also deals in dirty books, this has to be. It's uh, it's a very fine line. Well, yeah, anything that they can occult. Oh, uh, occult books, d- dirty books, and politically subversive manuscripts. He's he he he's damn lucky he's not in the town of London. I've got to tell. And then then you discover that this thing appears to be a dirty book, but is actually politically subversive occultism, disguised as pornography. Oh, I didn't know I had that. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> that's a good idea. But going back, I'm in, I'm enjoying myself, but the practical limits of the particular room and the particular group of people. Um, yeah, I have to. I have to split my my focus too much too often, and yeah, the others get bored. The regular group I'm in is um five, is four or five plus GM, hmm. and that seems to work fairly well for us. Some people say more, some people say less, but it, it averages out yeah, reasonably I'm, well. I'm well aware. Traditionally, it was six six or eight players plus GM. Yeah, I th- six is my is my is in my absolute top. Uh, I I I'm straining my ability to control what's going on and. Make sure the communication doesn't get badly, badly blurred. The thing I, I took away from listening to my players complain at me last night, I invited <laughs> them to do this, was, was it's a matter of compromise and, and politeness, uh, in, in many ways that players have to come up with objections that aren't obviously self-serving, but which, um, do actually address something that the, the GM's got wrong. And the GM has got to be willing to go back and say, actually, no, I couldn't have said that. That was wrong. Let's step back a step. But mm. there is a limit to the amount of time you can you can do that. Yeah, particularly if it, if important things have happened since, yeah. then then you have to couple things together some other way. Because you, if if you've had stuff the players enjoyed, you don't want to take that away from them, or I don't anyway. I am. I, well, developing this magic background is has occasionally meant. No, I'm going to to say even even a week or so later. No, I'm going to have to go back. And correct, that couldn't have happened. That mustn't have been an anomalous result. You must have misunderstood. Uh, just to ensure that I'm consistent with everything I'm doing. But it's hard, but it's highly enjoyable. Uh, but I, at least for the players who are investigatively and scientifically minded. Most historical magic systems aren't consistent, after all. I've, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's because they didn't work, Roger. <laughs> This actually has to work in the game, in the game, in the game universe. And though you can, I don't want to do absurdism. Or I don't yeah, want to yeah. do a universe where the rules only apply part of the time or where the pixies can come and steal away, um, your, your magic, magic device anytime they feel like it. So really, you're not causing me to think of, of magic, magic as Newtonian mechanics. It is a bit. Well, I and, and, th- and then somebody comes up with relativity, and yes, yes, magic mostly applies in in certain limited situations. Yeah, I'm working on the Newtonian bit at the moment. <laughs> Who do you think started this? Well, quite. Yeah. Well, please tell us uh, more about the ways you've got things wrong, or your GM has got things wrong, um, and I think we wrap that up at this point. That was Improvised Radio Theatre with 
Dice with me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell West. Please send us your reminiscences of really obscure game systems and the fun you've had with them and all the mistakes your GM has made. Um, you can, you can, if, they're, if they're not us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're already feeling guilty enough. Um, you can leave the notes on the, on the website or send us a message via podcast at tekeli.ly. And we'll be back in another month's time. We sincerely hope.